Welcome to the Goth and the Sloth. This is your Goth Luna. And I'm Matt the Sloth. Woohoo! We are a podcast of two friends living a country apart and talking werewolf movies. Oh! At least this season, anyway. Um, so t- basically, we alternate every week and we watch a movie. We discuss all of the not so subtle and sometimes subtle themes in these <laughs> werewolf movies and rate the transformation and such so welcome to our umpteenth episode of the second season yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you would like to follow us online we are at goth and sloth on twitter and instagram and you can email us at any point at goth and sloth at gmail.com correct so, Matt, what have you been up to since the recording of last episode? Uh, not a whole lot. Life's actually slowed down, thankfully. Uh, oh, weird. I know, right? <laughs> uh, my band fully released our new song to the public, so if you want to hear uh, the best version of the 1987 Ninja Turtles theme, head on over to uh, SoundCloud slash Leonardo, Leonardo Band. That's excellent. Cowabunga. Uh, (laughs) um, And uh, yeah, not a whole heck of a lot else. Did we play the show last time? I can't even remember. Before we recorded. I think you were getting ready to play the show. Okay. So yeah, we played our first time at Cervantes. Yeah, it was before you played. So yeah, that was pretty good. Good night. Yeah. Fun stuff. Check the box. Tick. Yep. And I uh, premiered my uh, little new addition to my stage ensemble. Is it the mask? It is the mask. Very cool. So, yeah, that was fun. What have you been up to? Awesome. Um, I've been working, getting back into the swing of things since my bout with uh, that uh, novel little virus uh, called Rona. (laughs) And um, so I'm just getting back into my program but also um, really gearing up for the last month of preparations for this show that we're doing in March. The Alice in Wonderland aerial production. Um, And it is a very chaotic experience, but it will be worth it when we see everybody on stage. I always say it. So right now we're during the, oh my God, are we going to make it? part (laughs) but we will make it it will be fine and it will be amazing so if you're in the uh richmond area uh, of virginia that is um you should check out this show it's it's gonna be pretty pretty incredible if i do say so myself i mean if it's not chaotic is it really a alice in wonderland production yeah if it's not chaotic (laughs) is it even art that's true. <laughs> like it just feels like every time, you know, every year I want to be bigger, better, do more, etc. Climb, 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 and every year I'm like, oh my god, am I gonna make it? And maybe I did too much. I don't know, but <laughs> I keep being fine. So. <laughs> nah, it's you. You do the you do the arts, and just do keep doing more arts. Just do all the arts. <laughs> Pull your hair out at some point during the artistic process, and I will not be alone in that, I'm sure. There you go. <laughs> so, 
So this week we are diving into uh, an old oldie. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about the first mainstream Hollywood werewolf film called Werewolf of London yes. uh, by Stuart Walker. It was after sound, but before color, if that helps people with old film. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Um, so it was, uh, it was made in 1935, and like I said, this is prior to The Wolfman, which if you remember, it came out in the 40s, and I actually think that it's a really interesting film for being the first mainstream film. You'll see some of the same themes that we saw in The Wolfman, Mm -hmm. um, namely things like science, uh, versus stupid superstition, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, um, but it has its own little twist and its own darkness, and I I like that. So, without further ado, I'll just jump into the uh, synopsis if that's cool. Yeah, let's get into it. Cool. So the movie starts by uh, following Doctor Glendon, which is a um, wealthy English botanist who's Sounds suspiciously American. <laughs> I got a thing and, about that. <laughs> and uh, they have a... He's on this um, questionable trip to Tibet. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, it's a pretty progressive movie because it's it's got two gay buddies bike backpacking through uh, Tibet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely what's happening. And they were definitely actually speaking an Asian language and not just making sounds. No, they were definitely yeah. doing that. <laughs> Ooh, so yeah, that uh, that opening to the movie, I was like, oh no. <laughs> but uh, and I will say, like, it's really tempting to be like this movie is a product of its time and I'm trying not to use that phrase because mm-hmm. I feel like it's often used as a, I guess an out or an excuse for poor behavior during a time when it's not like Asian people didn't exist. Yeah. And Asian people weren't like, that's stupid that you do it that way. But most white people are like, it's cool to depict us, picked um to depict Asian people this way. So we'll just do it and it's fine. Because only our voice matters, right? Like, so I don't want to be like, oh, it's a product of its time and just wash away the the incorrectness of their behavior. Yeah. But it is also important to acknowledge that this was 1935 and mm-hmm. maybe the number of people that would have been like, hey, do you think this is weird? Was like one person on a set versus hundreds of people on a set. Yeah. I don't know if it's a much better phrase, but I like it's it's a snapshot of that time. This is how okay. people did act. It's not excusing it, but right. this was the normality of that time. Yeah, no, that's not a bad way to look at it. And as long as like like saying it's a product of its time doesn't necessarily mean to everyone that it's being like you're excusing it but to me that's what it sounds like so i personally don't like it so i like the snapshot thing yeah because uh i mean that's what film is and the way i mean a lot of arts but film specifically captures what was okay when you filmed it like and it's right like what was the preserved norm was yeah exactly 
and it's generally preserved um, forever that way, and it's interesting to go back. Because um, I've been re-watching or watching all the uh, Planet of the Apes movies. Mm. Um, I'll get into that later in the show. But yeah, there is some really questionable uh, behavior between men and women in those movies. Yeah, that's like <laughs> not even an understatement for real. Um, yeah, so so just with that set up front... Um, just keeping that in mind when we talk about some of the things that the characters do and say, but uh, basically they go to Tibet. They're in search of this uh, flower that is super rare and only, um, only grows in this area called Marifesa lupine lumina. I don't know if that's how they say it, but that's Mm -hmm. what it looks like in Latinish. Um, But basically, it's it's a plant that only blooms in the in the moonlight, Mm -hmm. and uh, the botanist Dr. Glendon is, I guess, interested in it because it's so special and rare. And you you find out that his collection at home is a bunch of um, interesting plants and uh, mostly carnivorous plants, things plants that aren't typical so they i guess he was like oh look this flower blooms by moonlight alone and i think that's cool and his whole goal is to as as a botanist apparently which again (laughs) if this is how we understand science uh i guess that explains a lot of anti-vax people yeah They're like, what are you doing in a lab? You just have pointy things zap each other. Oh, That's that was what my it favorite is. part is the botanist lab looks like Dr. Frankenstein's lab. Like It really <laughs> does. It's so uh boiling yeah, I was like the boiling hmm. beakers. It has like the Jacob's ladder with the little electrode going up and it's yeah, it's got his little moonlight gun. <laughs> like It is bizarre. <laughs> I was like, and you're a what now? A botanist? Hmm. <laughs> Like the botanists okay. I've seen, like have like a spray bottle and a cool like green <laughs> yeah. room, maybe some grow lights. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, lots of microscopes, but yeah. So um, he is in his laboratory getting his uh, moon ray <laughs> ready, <laughs> and his goal is to try to get this. Um, this flower to bloom and uh eventually he is successful but we'll get to that essentially Mm -hmm. this he ends up um he's there are other things that are happening in the movie i don't really want to get into all of the details but as far as far as following glendon he achieves moonlight with his moon ray Mm -hmm. and um, realizes that he is changing into a werewolf. Um, so his hand, whenever it's in the moon ray, it gets all furry and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, very similar looking to the wolfman's hands. Yeah. Uh, so they definitely borrowed a little bit <laughs> visually <laughs> from this film. Um, and so he, and then he realizes that this rumor that the flower cures, um, werewolfism is true because he takes the flower and literally stabs himself (laughs) 
was like, are there other ways you could do this? No. Okay. No. We're, we're going with stabbing. Cool. So he shoves the stem of the flower into his hand and boom, his hair goes away and he's no longer a werewolf hand man. <laughs> and then he finds out from this Dr. Yogami, who is a, a clearly Asian character with an Asian name. Um, he, uh, oh, I guess I left out that Dr. Glendon was bitten in Tibet. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> yeah. He got bitten in Tibet. And so he is a werewolf and it was by Dr. Yogami, but he does not recognize Dr. Yogami. Mm-hmm. So Yogami's there trying to also get the flower because he doesn't want to be all werewolfy in London either. And, uh, Yogami is like turned away because dr glendon's kind of a dick yeah and yogami um warns him that the werewolf within him just strives to kill the thing he loves the most so you should get on this train kind of thing (laughs) but glendon's too proud and he's just like whatever (laughs) um in a like 1930s london like Englishman attitude, but with an American accent. Um, and then the moon happens, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Moonlight happens. And uh, he realizes that two of the blossoms have been stolen, mm-hmm. which was definitely Yogami. And he transforms into. Uh, the werewolf which we'll talk about the transformation in a while Mm -hmm. and he tries to visit his wife at a party but ends up visiting her aunt unclear (laughs) and then he goes and kills a random girl yeah and now the police are involved there's scott Yard is like oh ladies are dying oh no (laughs) very like I feel like the way they portrayed it in the film is very Jack the Rippery. Mm-hmm. It was very like the newspapers are like, this lady died. Mysterious girl dies. V- you know, killer on the loose, slasher, blah, blah. <laughs> so then um, he makes it through the night because like Yogami says, you, he the werewolf has to, or no, he researched it and the research said that a werewolf has to kill at least one person every night that he is a werewolf otherwise he is stuck in werewolf form so uh so he he has his kill he is back to human the next day um and he tries again to get the uh the flower and he's realizing that he's the one that killed the girl mm-hmm. so he um he transforms again although he tries to like rent a room far far away yeah. i guess from where he was he transforms again kills another person he hates himself and so do we yeah and then <laughs> <laughs> um we move on to uh the third bloom and his moon ray finally, you know, gets the blo- the flower to bloom, but then Yogami steals it again, and uh, Dr. Glendon catches him and is like, nah, dude, 
can't have my flower. <laughs> and they fight to the death, and he kills Yogami. Then he goes after his wife. Again, there's this whole, like, theme of, like, he's trying to hide. He's trying to get away from his life and, like, go transform into a werewolf in what I think is supposed to be the slums of London. Yeah. Um, and he consistently does not stay in the place that he tries to go. And the place that he tries to go just is consistently closer to where his wife is. (laughs) (laughs) So he's at this, like, in this room and looks out the window and it's, it's his wife walking with this other character that we don't need to get into. And he breaks through the door. I guess, like, the iron bars look like Little baby pieces of wood. He's just like, <laughs> Bluck. all right. And then he just like jumps out the window, I guess. Tries to attack her. Uh, her childhood friend stops him. He gets away. And he tries to corner her at the um, at the house. And he gets shot immediately by the cops. And he's very thankful for it, actually. He thanks the guy for killing him and apologizes to Lisa for not making her happy. And then he dies and reverts to human form. The end. The end. Ta-da! So, um, so there were a few similarities, like I mentioned, uh, with the science aspect of things. Mm -hmm. But also, um, the relationships with people in the film like Mm -hmm. in the in the wolf man there's a lot of like i I don't know how to say this other than hubba hubba look at the pretty girl (laughs) i'm gonna try to get that yeah my wolf dick yep that's very the wolf band am i correct yes that's correct i feel like that happened (laughs) i mean in in a very 1940s toned down like we wouldn't notice it as that as much but oh, yeah. at the time, but yeah. at the time, it I... would have been like, oh my god, huh? Wait, are you saying at the time it was revolting or not? At the time, yeah, it would have been more like hubba hubba, look oh, look at that yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. Where now we're like, no, she's wearing a like, lot of clothes. Gross. <laughs> or that he was watching her through a telescope. Oh, that's what you're getting <laughs> from across at. the room. Yeah, like, no, he was a window. yeah, no, uh, yeah, he's a creeper in Wolfman. He, yeah, he's a he creep. really is. But it was fine because, you know, women don't don't need to worry about men creeping on them. And love. <laughs> and love. As long as he loves you enough, it's okay for him to be a creep. I mean, I say it every year because people, every year around Valentine's Day, because uh, every, like, uh, people always dance, like, have their first wedding dance or whatever to uh, every breath you take by the police. Oh God, no! And uh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> there's a thin line between creepy and uh, romantic. It's a very thin line. <laughs> yeah, very thin. Actually, not really. It's kind of thick. You kind of have to trudge through that line sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. Well, what movies sell so, us as romantic yeah. is actually very creepy for it to happen in real life. That is a very good point. You are absolutely correct. And so in this one, there was a moment where Dr. Glendon is talking to his wife, who is markedly unhappy in in her marriage. She's, like, begging him to get out Mm -hmm. of 
the lab and go places with her and blah 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 and her childhood friend comes and his her and he's like you are not happy like you don't you you don't even seem like yourself like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then dr glendon at one point is like he like embraces her and kisses her and is like i love you and she's like dead fish in it like her (laughs) her arms are like limp at her sides and after he's done kissing her she just like and he's like i love you and she just walks away yeah (laughs) i was like i don't i this all feels really weird to me (laughs) it was yeah the whole relationship thing is odd but um but yeah i thought the the flower story was interesting i Mm -hmm. thought the artificial moonlight thing was interesting weird that he's a botanist and wanted to do that but cool cool whatever um i i liked the lore of this one yeah uh i liked that it was the flower doesn't cure it it's an antidote Mm -hmm. so it um he said it like suppresses it for a couple hours yeah so i thought that that was an interesting version of a of a cure antidote and i liked that you can kind of just kill the werewolf like, yeah you don't need it's not silver bullets it's it's just you know, shoot him it's fine yeah <laughs> look he's dead now <laughs> the end but yeah what did you think of this one um yeah it, it was hard for me to get through and maybe that's just my modern sensibilities because there's no score except like at the beginning uh, it's all just dry talking and a lot of talking during the uh, what felt like two hour scene of like the plants. The, they're showing off the plants to all the people and they're walking <laughs> around the exhibits that seemed uh-huh. to just go on forever. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. I, I always like having like a, a plant cure for lycanthropy um like they did that in ginger snaps too i think that's always mm-hmm. kind of a fun way Wolf's yeah to do do something interesting with that um i love a good just cheesy not even cheesy because they're more just classic now like uh, of that era like the black and white horror movies like i said i love mm-hmm. the i loved his his lab that's made up by people that don't know what labbing is that's <laughs> so weird I was like, I, and like, really? Yeah. And like you said, all the beakers and. Yeah. Like, what is he what doing you, in there? What are you making in this lab? And he had like a ring camera in his lab. Yeah. A hundred years before oh, it became man. a thing. Thanks for reminding me of that. I definitely <laughs> forgot. But it's totally true. Yeah. Like would it would have a little alarm and it would show him on a little TV yeah. what was going out outside of his lab. <laughs> Forward-thinking movie. <laughs> I mean, literally 90 years later, we get it. Yeah. We finally get, like, <laughs> oh, someone rings the door. We can look on the camera. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the lack of attention to details of movies in this era because they're just like, mm-hmm. no one's going to care. You're going to you're gonna pay your, your 10 cents to see it one time in the theater. And mm-hmm. so like no one, you kind of alluded to it, but no one in London in this entire movie has a British accent. There is one. <laughs> no, there are three characters 
and all of them are terrible. Yeah. Like bad, <laughs> bad English accents. And it's not like English, like posh English, which I think is probably the easiest accent to do. They're doing like Cockney Manchester, like all these like oh, blimey. dialects. I was like, what? is going on like the and this guy's like me arches are broken from serving in the war like what what are you doing spot a tea for you governor god it was i don't know where the fuck mary poppins was but she was not in this film and i love that because they know like the the people the amount of people who would have heard a, a actual um, British accent in 1930s who actually would go over to London is like such a small percentage of the population at that time. You're like, oh, screw it. Just say the words. No one cares. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, and clearly no one knows what Chinese sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely not at all. That would have been, uh, not even cons- I don't even know if you can say the word, but that would have been the mysterious East at that yeah. time. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, it was it was something to behold. Um, I love the uh, a lot of uh, I wouldn't say love, but I thought it was funny the uh, the amount of casual sexism and uh, like uh, I'm gonna beat my wife and it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna leave you and beat yeah. you or whatever he said. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, if you drag me to one of these again, I'm gonna beat you silly. Like what the? Like, ha ha. <laughs> And that didn't even die then, because yeah, in the 1970s, in the movies I'm watching, it's still just a hilarious joke to beat women. So it just kept persisting. <laughs> Delightful. It's it's just yeah, but yeah, there is there's just such a fun quality to these kinds of movies. It's just like everything they had to do, they had to do from scratch. Like mm-hmm. you were constantly like inventing ways to film and inventing you know everything like nothing was set in stone for you so it's in a historical historical aspect of that it is is so cool to watch um and yeah and like none of these were tropes at the time this is all brand spanking new yeah like this is what we did this is what movies are yeah Yeah, it's true you're it's a it's a very good point and um you know, at this point, we have like literal cinematic tablets in our pockets, yeah. and we can just create a video. I mean, we there is a popular app now, much like Vine, where you can just make short little stories with this little pocket square. Yeah, with effects and like with effects and everything. <laughs> like, and people literally had to like cut film. Yeah. to make a cut. <laughs> That's why it's called a cut. cut. Literally <laughs> had to cut and splice film together, and that's it's just so cool to think like uh, like yeah how far that's come from that, and how good it still looks when it was like so ramshackle like that. Like you would expect way more like just random shots spliced in because I missed that one cut or whatever. But yeah, and I mean I I'm coming off of watching. Um, the original, not the original, I guess the quote-unquote original, what many people consider the original Phantom of the Opera with uh, Lon Chaney. And, I mean, that's a good example. This, that's 10 years before this one, and it's um, 
black and white, obviously, but it's also a silent yeah. film. And mm-hmm. uh, you can see how the film is cut together. And uh, apparently there was a lot of uh, strife with the production of the film because Lon Chaney wanted to direct his own scenes and mm-hmm. the director wanted to do others. And there was just all this stuff like it was a lot going on just to put a film together Yeah, back then. And now it's like, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, right? Because it's still an art, but it's hard in different aspects ways. are, um, there's a lot more access to the technical yeah. aspects of film. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. You can get, you can green screen without even a green screen. It doesn't look as good, but yeah, you can green screen. You can, Yeah. There's the iPhones all like they have that whole commercial where you can like make a movie with just your iPhone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's harder in different ways because the access sure. is so much there that there's a lot more uh, noise to cut through. Yeah. Um, where the amount of people producing movies in 1934 would probably be about, you know, 12. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah and when they make trash everybody has yeah. to watch it <laughs> but yeah i thought that overall it was a a really cool werewolf story yeah. um despite some of the interesting choices they made through the modern lens well i was trying um, i was trying to think if the, it was just the way they talked or if they're trying to make a point because they kept bringing up like god making creatures and stuff like with yeah. all the carnivorous plants and uh right and that's one of the themes that i wanted to mention um it's a uh, there's a line in there by uh the the guy that makes him a werewolf mm-hmm. um dr yogami and he's he's like he, i'm paraphrasing here but he's like um a werewolf is neither a man nor a creature it's a it's uh, it's a satanic or neither a man nor an animal it's a satanic creature with the worst qualities of both which I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it like it's it's not even that it's it's a it's like both of them mm-hmm. it's something entirely different yeah. it's a satanic creature that happens to have the worst qualities of both man and animal and um, and I think that that's carried out throughout the film mm-hmm. where you're seeing a lot of the um the good and bad characteristics of humans through some questionable ways of displaying that by having Mr. Paul Ames who <laughs> is supposed to be the hero and the love interest yeah. of um his wife and uh him obviously as a murderer but then you have these really terrible two-dimensional two-dimensional <laughs> characters by my standards um like the woman the woman that uh rents him the inn oh and god she's like, oh i'll sleep with you and i mean it is some really ter- i realize that it's for comic relief but i just had a lot of trouble it with was that. gross yeah <laughs> um so i feel like that you know, they show that aspect and then mm-hmm. they, they show the plants and like the contrast of this beautiful moonflower. It's so different. It's gorgeous. And then these other carnivorous plant plants that are eating frogs and flies and mice. Um, 
I thought that those those themes were well laid out throughout the yeah. film, and there was no real question around what they were trying to say about um, the tendencies of man, mm-hmm. and uh, and then adding that fantastical spin on yeah. it of well, what if you add wolf? What if wolf? What if wolf? <laughs> What if Wolf? Although I'm going to put you through this now is uh, I think I need that quote on my uh, tombstone when I die. So just make sure you get that in there. Just What is Wolf? No, it, uh, Matt is neither man nor animal, but a satanic, <laughs> satanic worst or whatever. <laughs> satanic creature worst with the worst qualities wolf. of yeah, both. Yeah, <laughs> I think I need that on my tombstone. <laughs> I don't know. I... I... I, I feel like I can definitely do that if it's in your will and you want me to. And I could just say, what if wolf? What if wolf? Oh, we can also do that. <laughs> just And what if wolf? <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I, I, like, I like that. But yeah, I was really like, is that on purpose? Or is that just how they... Because, you know, people talked more religious-y back then, I would think. That's true. Um, so I was like, is that just the vernacular or is this a purpose um purposeful you know use of all the god imagery in their words and like you know the bible stuff yeah and i i I didn't catch like a lot of um bible stuff but I, i did catch some of that like you said like like these mentions of god and and heaven and hell there's a lot like a lot of that sort of mention mm-hmm. but i didn't get like purely religious notes like i didn't see any religious characters no or... yeah and it wasn't like a pure flicks movie by any stretch of the <laughs> any stretch oh, of it but yeah I, I don't know and it was mostly in that like yeah they're describing the carnivorous plants and it's like god makes them all for a reason or something like along those lines and you know <laughs> yeah and i mean the and it's not only maybe it's more that they're leaning on philosophy and less religion where they're looking at it like philosophically like heaven hell Mm -hmm. good bad and then also there's um paul ames quotes shakespeare yeah he does saying there are more things than heaven and earth and um horatio and uh and I was like, oh, are we fancy? Mm. <laughs> Quoting Shakespeare, are we? Um, so I feel like it was likely intentional mm-hmm. with that many mentions of heaven and hell and Shakespeare. And yeah. Yeah. I would think so. That's my guess. I, would, I, I can get with that. <laughs> so... um let's talk about this transformation oh yeah because i think that it is a, definitely a worthy one um given that it is before the wolf yeah now they do use that same like superimposing film uh to show the transformation mm-hmm. at some point in the film and that's the main way that they depicted it in the wolfman but the initial transformation yes. I loved it mm-hmm. was very clever clever entirely practical and it is um Dr. Glendon walking 
I guess, just down a pathway mm-hmm. or walking, I guess, but past these pillars. So the camera's on the other side of the pillars and you see him in between each in each opening between the pillars, just slightly more transformed. I think it was like three uh, phases. Yeah. I think. That sounds better. And I thought it was very well done. It was like very smooth. Yeah. It felt really natural. Like the pace that he was walking was very pedestrian. Like I, it wasn't rushed at all. I don't know. What, what no, do I love that transformation. I saw it. I was like, holy crap. Like, that's way better than what the Wolfman did with his just like superimposing the feet and he's just moving his feet. Like just, yeah, it was, it felt like he was just walking his, like you said, the pace, it was a normal pace. It wasn't jittery or anything. And just after each pillar, just a little more hair, a little bit more, you know, teeth and it just kept going. And I thought that was so well done. And it's kind of interesting because those are the same kind of cuts and effects they use in uh, the recent movie, 1917, where they made it seem like one take, is they use that exact kind of thing where you wouldn't see the take because something's behind something and they just easily Mm -hmm. blend it together. And so, yeah, like 90 years later, we're still using that, that exact style and technique and yeah yeah it's really cool um and i liked the level of change every time you saw him like it wasn't like a little bit a lot of it a little bit like it was very evenly spaced with the application of the makeup and as for the rest of the wolf i mean this is very much a human man with hairy hands and face it's which is fine it's a it's a wolf man style design of a wolf werewolf yeah yeah like the wolf band i think included feet which is like good for you buddy (laughs) but um this transformation is definitely worth noting he you can tell he gets like bigger in the neck because his shirt gets tighter Mm -hmm. um there's not a lot of like clothes shredding or anything like that but uh but it's a notable transformation. I really enjoyed watching it. Like, I definitely would watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I kind of like it better than the Wolfman. Like, I, no, I think I'm this with you. Transfer, like this transformation takes the cake. So I'm going to give this one a five out of five. Absolutely. Right up there with you. Um, Wolfman, I think it was a more interesting technical way to do it with the splicing, but the over, this had the better overall effect of how it worked. I agree. Yeah. As the viewer, I was like, ah, shit, there's a werewolf in my TV. (laughs) Imagine seeing it at that time. Like you just like your mind would just be blown. Like, holy crap. (laughs) Right. And it's not even like so slow that you're like taken out of the process. Like you're it's if you're not expecting it like if this was like a novel change it was the exact right pace like i can't stress enough how the pacing seemed perfect for this type of transformation but luna let me ask you something what would happen if you were to boop that snoot (laughs) i think he would bite me he's kind of a dick yeah and he hates women yeah, he does. He likes to murder random unidentified women, and um, I'm pretty sure I die, like, like full on <laughs> chomp chomp to the neck. Yeah, well, that well, that one wouldn't uh, go well for you. 
Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> I usually like petting the werewolf, but I actually kind of hate this guy, so. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. Um, I'm pulling up now if there's any sequels, but this wasn't really the time um, where they would do that. Um, if there was, like, I mean, I don't know, but if there if there would have been a sequel, I feel like it would have been much later, like 40 years later. But, I mean, the Wolfman just took all of the attention. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. being who he was as the Wolfman also took a lot of attention. I don't know the legacy of this Hull guy, but, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know where there would have been room for this, for a sequel for this Yeah, and no, it doesn't. But fun fact is apparently the song Werewolves of London uh, was actually inspired by this movie. Oh, I was wondering about that because it kept on popping up and it was super annoying. I was like, I want to watch the movie Werewolf of London. And it's like, you want to listen to this song? No. No. No, I don't. Um, I'm just looking up Hull's career here. It looks like he went. He's pretty pro- prolific. He was made oh, okay. movies up until 1966. Um, huh. And he was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so definitely not English. I'm um, not seeing anything I really recognize, but I don't obviously recognize a whole lot of movies from you know the mid to late 40s. Back then. Um, so yeah, I don't think yet he just this just got overshadowed. You're right by just the Wolfman, but I'd say this is just as well done and as worthy of a classic movie as Wolfman. Absolutely, I mean, like yes, there's a little bit more about the superstition than the science, and like I think this movie is a little bit more science and philosophy as opposed to science versus superstition, mm-hmm. um, but. And only that, like, like barely at that. Like, it's not a marked difference. Uh, but I, dare I say, I kind of like this movie a little bit better. Um, of course, I love The Wolfman for its classic nature and being a universal monster. But... Yeah. And I have a portrait of him that sleeps above my bed with Frankie, <laughs> Bride, and Dracula, so... I guess I I am a little I I I am a little impersonal. <laughs> I guess a little biased, not impersonal. Um, but I like this guy. Yeah. I mean, I like this depiction. It's good. I, I like this little uh, nugget from a, a a quote here from a review. Uh, a charming bit of lycanthropy. Aww. <laughs> I want to be a charming bit of lycanthropy. <laughs> All right, that's on my tombstone and the not man or beast but a satanic creature <laughs> dot 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 but what if wolf but what if <laughs> excellent well that wraps up our uh, discussion for the movie this week and let us dive in now to what have we been watching and what do we recommend in recent weeks. So Matt, why don't you kick it off? All right. So I'm pulling up my letterbox because I got to remember things. Um, so uh, as I kind of mentioned before, I'll dive in, into this. I've been, uh, I'm going through all the planet of the apes movies. There's nine of them, surprisingly enough. 
And um, yeah, so I'm through the first one, the original Charlton Heston one. Uh, he sucks, by the way. Good lord, does he suck? Mm-hmm. The movie's in quotable to the end of the earth, and I love it for that. He sucks. <laughs> like once they let him like talk, because you know he doesn't talk through a big hunk of the movie or whatever, and you know the, everyone knows the movie. Uh, <laughs> but like once they like let him like monologue and talk, he just starts being a real dick, and yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't really remember like I I love the first film as a body of work. I don't really remember him being a problem, but I'm sure if I went back and watched it, it might be slightly unbearable. And, and maybe some of it's uh, you know bleeds through from his later actions, but like he makes a big deal about making sure he gets a gun when they take off to the uh, forbidden zone, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, Charlton. Um, and then I saw the yeah. first sequel called Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is hilarious because they there's mutants and telepathy <laughs> and a nuke. <laughs> oh. It just goes. It's one of those. It just goes of off. Um, but they did get Charlton to come back for a couple lines. Um, uh, but yeah, it has a whole thing where like uh, the the girl from the first movie, Nova meets up with this new astronaut that just being happened to following Charlton Heston's character. So we have another oh, one, uh, but they like escape uh, ape city, but then they come back and he's like, if she brings me back here, I'll beat her. And, and I was Ooh, like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Damn. And then like, uh, Dr. Zayas almost caught like the apes that were helping him and yeah another point he's like they're like trying to cover up that they're you know helping his wound or whatever and they have blood and he's like oh no I, I just hit her <laughs> yeah Jesus <laughs> what year did that come 1970 out? yeah okay and I, I'm curious how the other sequels go because this one literally ended with the earth blowing up so <laughs> but it's also that time of the, the world where, you know, home video wasn't a thing. So no one remembers what happened at the end of the last movie. Just continue on. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I didn't realize that. I've never watched the sequels. Um, this will be my first time with those. I. G- Godspeed, sir. <laughs> so beyond that, uh, I watched The Change Up. Uh, that's the one with uh, Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, and they change lives. Oh yeah, it's, I didn't. I have not watched that and probably won't. But um, have, I remember that being. Have you a seen thing. a body swap movie before? I've seen many body swap movies. Then you've seen it. Okay, that's <laughs> what just, I thought. Just add Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> which does make it better. Okay. Um, he does. Got, he is very funny, and he actually plays a very good Jason. Uh, Jason, um, Bateman. Um, and Bateman does a pretty good Ryan Reynolds. But that's the only difference. Like, it goes down the exact plot line you think it's going to as a body change movie. Honestly, I think that there's just a body swap movie every five years. Yeah, I think there's just a, uh, there's like a form you fill out that will just make the script for you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, here you go. There's like a body swap script bot. (laughs) You just like type it in. Yeah, I think that seems very likely because, oh my God. How are these movies still happening, and why are they the same? Yeah. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, we went and saw Clean, which is the Adrian Brody action movie. 
Um, so he oh, he's like, oh yeah yeah yeah. It's actually really good, and he really wanted this movie to be made apparently because he was the producer, he co-wrote it, he did the score for it, <laughs> like he hit through God the damn. credits. It's just Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody. This is a movie by, uh, <laughs> for, and through. But yeah, it's Adrian it's Brody. his John Wick. Like it's an unassuming guy that has a past that gets brought back into it. Another action film plot that's like yeah, but overall it was like John Wick. I think took off because of the puppy yep. and because of the violence. Yep, I was gonna say the puppy and the pencil. Like the puppy, <laughs> yeah, like it just it it had to those it just hit like a little jackpot, yep. and everything else is just another action movie with this other guy that has a troubled past and punches people in the face a lot. <laughs> but I'd say it's worth checking out. I wouldn't necessarily go out of your way, but it, it's okay. a... if it shows up on a streaming service, yeah. I'll watch it. Uh, and then uh, last night I watched UHF for the millionth time. Cause it's great. <laughs> um, and then outside of that, um, I've been, uh, well, the Olympics have started. So women's hockey, uh yeah, so I totally forgot. I keep forgetting. People keep saying Olympics and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, wait, that's now." Well, I've been trying <laughs> to get into other sports besides the hockey and I've been scrolling through what's available and I realized and I think I ruined the Olympics for myself, at least the winter ones. Winter Olympics, 90% of it is just various ways to go down a hill. Are you just now realizing <laughs> that? Is this the first time you're realizing that? Because Yes. yes, that is exactly what Winter Olympics is. Winter Olympics is force minus yes. friction. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> it's like go down in skis, go down the snowboard, go down on a sled, go down a sled on your belly, go on a sled with friends. <laughs> yep. And like, it, and in addition to that, if you're not going down a hill, it's literally what if someone pushed you on this surface? <laughs> on ice or like with this accoutrement on ice what if someone pushed you with what if someone pushed a stone down <laughs> some ice what if someone pushed a, a shoe with a piece of metal on it down some <laughs> ice like it's literally all what happened if the world didn't have friction yes. but my favorite part is of course it highlights women's hockey it's the biggest stage for women's hockey and I nice. support those women. They're badass. Um, if Hillary Knight's, you know, listening to this, she, she's kicking major ass. It's her fourth Olympics. Super excited. Cool. Yeah, I will definitely be tuning in. I totally forgot, but I have a long day of home, like work at home yeah. tomorrow, so that will definitely be in the background. Um, but yeah, now there is, you know, stupid rules with women's hockey in the Olympics that are specific to Olympics. So you gotta like, the, really? they're not allowed to check. Oh because, no, they're yeah, frail, they're frail little, little bodies. bodies. Um, they all have to wear a face guard uh, where the men, ha- yeah, all everyone has to wear a face guard where men can just wear a visor, but they don't even have a choice. Oh, yeah, we gotta keep yeah, them you can't, pretty. Yeah, you can't hurt we those pretty keep... faces. Oh my God. Um, is there any other ones? No, those are the main ones. Do they also have to wear bikinis that look like underwear? They do not. <laughs> That's something. They, they look the most unsexy you possibly can. I don't think there's much anything unsexier than hockey gear. Uh, 
when you're wearing the big old diaper leg pads and <laughs> yeah. you're not wrong <laughs> it's not it's not good looking on either gender but it's still a great sport and yeah but yeah they play it full on and actually since the olympics is the only women's hockey that doesn't allow checking the women's team at least u.s always ends up making mistakes because they get more penalties because they're like no i laid her out yeah (laughs) yeah dang but well i'm excited to watch some ladies hockey that's great and then yeah men's starts later this week too which i will be as excited maybe I mean, I they have the NHL, so. Hockey, but. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah, Olympics. So what have you been watching? Um, well, I've been, I've watched, I, I've been hopping all over the place, actually. So I started this show called Somebody Somewhere. It's a kind of a dark comedy on HBO Max, um, okay. which is it's got some interesting characters and I was like, okay, so it's kind of like a slice of life, you know, dark humor thing that I was enjoying. I started the second season of euphoria, which of course I love mm-hmm. already. And by love, I mean, I hate everyone. <laughs> um, and I've been watching, there was another show that I was catching up on, but um, movie wise, I haven't really watched, been watching too many oh that's not true i watched moonlight finally oh yeah um wow i saw I, a movie before you <laughs> for once i think everybody saw that movie <laughs> before me i don't know why it took me so long to watch it but finally watched that movie thought it was mm-hmm. beautiful and then i watched this movie um named swan song which is was really good i really enjoyed that one um and and then I, uh, I've been rewatching uh, Snowpiercer because the new season's oh, out. Nice. So I'm just kind of cruising through the. I mean, I'm already watching the new season, but I'm also rewatching because I have to wait a week <laughs> between episodes. So I might as well watch more of the same show. <laughs> I like when they do the weekly. I'm glad more shows are back to the weekly. I am too. I just I want I want it so bad. <laughs> Want makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> Stupid. But yeah, so um, I've been doing that. And uh, obviously, Le Football, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost over. Yep. Maybe having a Super Got Bowl. Got the uh, Kitty Cats versus the Smashy Heads. Yes, <laughs> you were absolutely. That's the Latin. Right. That, that's the Latin for you. Ram is Smashy Head. Yeah, very Latin. That sounds incredibly Latin. Who, who, who are you going for, though? Oh man, I really, I think I'm gonna go for the Bengals, especially because it's, it's been so long. For <laughs> it has been. Like, they should probably, like, it would be nice for them to get a Super Bowl. Um, I don't really care about the Rams, Mm -hmm. especially since they moved to L.A. I was like, don't give L.A. a Super Bowl, (laughs) like, a a Super Bowl win. Like, come on. Um, But, like, it's a cool, it's a great team to watch. They're really talented. Like, I I really enjoy watching them play. But I'm kind of feeling Bengali. 
about All it. Right. I think I'm a kitty cat. <laughs> and like, if a smashy head gets a good play in there, I'm not going to be yeah. mad. No, I'm going for the Rams. I I do want the Bengals. Like, I, really, it's just going to be a fun one to watch because I don't really feel strongly either way. But, yeah, the Bengals haven't won one in forever. And you're like, oh, yeah, and get Joe Burrow, at, and you know, because everyone thought he was a, a bust in the draft and all that. Um, exactly. But I also, you know, Matthew Stafford finally has a good team around him, and <laughs> he might be able to. True. <laughs> And I, I mean, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback. Like, he's really fun to watch. He's fair. I mean, he's great. But L.A. So. <laughs> you don't love L.A.? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, oh, I have nothing against L.A. It's just, it's like, there's just a piece of me that's like, I mean, maybe California doesn't have to have everything. Fair. Okay. Like, maybe other parts of the country can have stuff. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited, and then I'll be unexcited because football will be, be over. Um, and I'm that weird goth kid that loves football and loves talking about it. And everyone at the bar is like, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, but so good, but, yeah. but so good. Except there are a lot of um, Ravens fans around here. Makes so sense. when Lamar Jackson was doing well, people were excited. And then Lamar Jackson stopped doing well. And people were like, oh, I actually don't care about football. <laughs> <laughs> so, come on. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, if before we get into the full wrap-up, if you want to watch along with us next week, next episode, not week, next episode... Uh, I'm going to be torturing Luna with more of my cheesy werewolf movies. And we'll be watching Werewolves of the Third Reich. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot that you put that on the list. Okay. Alright. Nazi werewolves. Nazi Here we werewolves. Go. So uh, if people want to uh, hit you up, uh, how can they do that? Well, you can find me at Luna underscore Minwee. That's M-I-N-U-I-T on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And, uh, yeah, stay up to date with the nonsense that I'm getting myself into professionally. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? I'm uh, Wizard underscore Matt on Twitter, Wizard Cosplay on the Instagram, and Pharaoh underscore Wizard on the TikToks. Um, my band is Leonardo Leonardo. You can find all our stuff on any social at Leonardo Leonardo Band. Uh, we actually just had a TikTok go viral for us, at least. We get 6,000 okay. views in one day. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll be up to all sorts of different stuff. And yeah, so check us out. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode, and we'll see you next time for more werewolves. Bye. Bye.